Welcome to Running Is Bullshit. I'm Amy. And I'm Stuart, and you're listening to the podcast that loves to hate running. Amy, how has your bullshit last few weeks been? Well, I don't want to keep repeating myself. <laughs> I'm oh, trying to build no. my mileage up, which is just like, you know what? I don't even need to say these bits. You can just cut out from previous episodes where I talk about increasing yeah. my mileage and just insert it. I'm sorry. Is, I'm is there boring. nothing? Is there nothing in the world of running that has angered you this week? Come I'm on. Not, I'm not doing enough running to, to warrant any anger. Um... Actually, I'm feeling pretty good about my running because it doesn't hurt anymore. So <laughs> I'm feeling like euphoric about it. Okay, I suppose... Complain about someone else. Well, I suppose the thing is at the moment is the terrifying prospect of running an ultramarathon, which foreshadowing our yeah. guest. Um, so trying to Ooh. sort of desperately build up my mileage without injuring myself is quite a daunting prospect at the moment. So like, you know, I'm going out and doing longer runs, but all the time I'm like, any moment my knee could give. So yeah, that's a bullshit thing, like imp- impending injury. In a similar vein, I'm preparing for an ultra, but I am already injured and I'm not building up my mileage at all. So, you know, that's that's also really good. That's how you train for an ultra though, isn't it? You like train, you get injured, you stop training, you sort of just say, it'll be fine on the day and then just have an yeah. awful day. <laughs> Yeah, it's fine. Um, and and in that vein, I've got a big stupid race tomorrow. I've got an ultra half tomorrow, which I, half. I call an ultra half. Anything over a half marathon, right? Okay. Up to marathon is an ultra half. Right. Uh, okay. It's eighteen miles. Right. Uh, unfortunately, we're recording a few days earlier than expected, so I'm actually doing the race tomorrow. But I'll try and record some audio for it, and if I do, I'll put it in now. Whew. Well, that's been a very long day. I've just got home. After getting up at five, leaving the house at six to pick up Nina and Adam, drive them from Cardiff to Cardigan, and then run along the coast path to Newport, Pembrokeshire, and then get the bus back, and then drive all the way home, drop them off, and come back. It was a hell of a run. 18 miles along the coast path. I've got to say first, absolutely fucking amazing. If you ever get the chance to run along the Pembrokeshire coast path, you absolutely have to. I've seen many things online, worldwide publications that say the Pembrokeshire coastline is one of the best in the world, and it absolutely is. So I've had a fantastic day of running. There was also, as you might expect, quite a lot of bullshit. Firstly, within half a mile of the race, the path was completely flooded because the river was at high tide and just came over the path. And so there we were, shin deep in water, within the first half mile of an 18 mile race that was terrific um i've also kind of i think i've said on the podcast it was advertised as 2300 meters which i thought was a lot i mean that is a lot Uh, it turns out it was about 1100 which is not as advertised and is not as much as 2300 that's that's a hell of a lot still 1100 meters or three and a half thousand feet it's a hell of a lot of elevation my god I gotta say, I really, really enjoyed it, and I was still loving it up to about 20k, and then, I guess, kind of, obviously, it started to get really, really hard, Um, just everything started slowing down, started making little mistakes and tripping, as you do, once my legs got really tired. The path, as well, really narrow, I guess it's kind of a walker's path, really, and it was single file, kind of most of the way, but really narrow, kind of in a little deep rut. So you kind of had to run along this little tiny narrow path. That was kind of annoying. And of course, if you look down, there were like 100 metre cliffs straight below you. So that was disconcerting at times. One of the main things that we also identified as bullshit, no tea at the end. 
I mean, we ran for four hours, 20 minutes. I want a cup of tea. So that was disappointing. Uh, there were aid stations on the way, which were really nice. You know, there was plenty of, uh, there was some Cokes and water, peanuts, jelly babies, Welsh cakes, Jaffa cakes, um, some fruit at the second one. I actually really enjoyed having a shed load of blueberries and strawberries. They were really, really good. A flapjack, lots of flapjack. Adam ate almost his body weight in flapjack today. I'm very proud of him. The only thing, could have been some more savoury snacks. Any run directors listening, don't forget the savoury snacks. Not just peanuts. Something nice and salty, that's what we need. And we've got to say, another thing that was bullshit was everyone else. As at one stage, we stopped for this aid station, started stuffing our faces, getting a load of cake, drinking loads of things, loads of fruit. And uh, maybe eight, nine people just ran past or had a quick stop, ate one thing, carried on. And we thought, okay, well, good for them. Once we got to probably the monsterest of the monster hills, uh, we overtook all of them because they were all standing still. They all stopped about halfway for a breather, doubled over. Haven't got the energy to run up the hill, you see. Should have filled up at the aid station. Always fill up at the aid station. We were doing this basically as ultra training. So we were practicing eating as much as possible and carrying all our stuff. So it was really, really useful in that respect as well. However, it did kind of occur to us on the way back that because this was a run along the coast path, which is open all the time anyway, there was a free bus back to the start. We kind of could have just done it any time of year, really. I kind of almost feel bad for paying to do it because we could have just driven there, run it, got the bus back and driven home at any time. There wouldn't have been aid stations, but, well, you know, no cup of tea at the end, so I kind of ruined it a little bit. Oh, there was also this bell end at the beginning, this woman standing at the end of her drive as we were running through Cardigan. She just, just standing there watching people said, running's bad for your joints. Fuck you. What do you, what do you think is going to happen? Do you think people are going to go, oh, is it? I didn't know it was bad for my, everyone, turn around. Turn around, everyone. It's bad for your joints. Everyone's going to go, oh, no, well, back to the car then. Never mind. This was a nice hobby while it lasted. But this woman at the end of her drive just said it's bad for our joints. What a prick. That annoyed me. But overall, a fantastic race. Again, I would recommend anyone, if they get the opportunity, to run on the Wales Coast Bath, particularly in Pembrokeshire. It was absolutely beautiful. But of course, oh, with that elevation, really, really bullshit as well. Back to the show. Thank you, past Stu, or actually future Stu as we record, or past Stu as you listen. I'm not sure. Let's not mess with time. Um, last week, well, actually, I have kind of haven't got a thing to complain about, because last week I had a run, a hill run, which is actually pretty much the best run I've ever had. See? So that doesn't fit in either, does it? This is this is all going wrong. This podcast is like, the, the foundations were rocky to start with, and now it's all just falling through. I had way, way too much fun, and I saw a really good dog that I follow on Instagram that I finally met for the first time. That oh, was really exciting. I think this is a mutual dog friend. This is a mutual dog friend, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that dog also. <laughs> I just, we just ran past this guy and a dog, and as I went past, I just saw him at the corner of my eye. I turned around and went, <gasps> we follow you on Instagram! <laughs> And then we just like, hi, hi, dog, hi, 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 Mark. Hi, dog, oh my God, it's a dog. It was great. It was a really good run. And we found a really good path through the the woods and it was a brilliant run. We ran twice up a hill, but it was fine. And we got hailed on and it was sunny and it was windy and it was fine. So nothing bullshit about it? Well, there was a lot of mud on our legs. And as I always reflect, when when you're completely covered in mud, when you've been going through fields, a lot of that mud is poo. Yeah. Yeah. You end up with a lot of poo on you. So, you know, there's that. It could be literal bullshit, then. It could be literal bullshit, often <laughs> cheap shit. Uh, I want to give a shout out this week to someone I heard about a little while ago now, because um, I was talking to a friend who's recovering from injury, and she says at least she's not 
a big an idiot as our friend Howard, who for six weeks didn't run because of an injury, and then as a comeback run, did Seville Marathon in three hours and 26 minutes. That's a, that's an interesting tape of that. <laughs> yeah. Should we call that running wanker of the week? Yeah. Oh, oh, definitely. It's almost like those wankers that do half marathons, don't do any training, just get off the couch, do a half marathon and do it in like one hour 40 or something. Oh. <laughs> I hate those people. I hate those people so much. And they're like, oh, it's all right. Yeah. Oh, I don't really run. Yeah, I go yeah. to the gym now and then. Yeah. Fuck off. But yeah, that's how Owen gets the uh, running wanker of the week award. <laughs> Well done. The first ever thing that we just thought of just now. <laughs> okay, Amy, let's go into some tweets. Yes. So we've had quite a few tweets this week, yeah? We have had a lot of tweets, yeah. We've yeah. had a lot of things going on. Gosh, it's overwhelming. Um, however do you find the day, the time in your busy day, Stuart, to go through all these tweets? <laughs> I don't have a busy day, so there we go. <laughs> so uh, Faye Martin says, I do enjoy listening to Running Is BS podcast on my way to work. Especially when the weather is this crappy, it makes me laugh and cheers me up. Give it a listen if you can. Running emoji, poo emoji. Oh, thank you, Faye. I think that's our official emojis now, isn't it? The running and the poo emoji together. They're just sort yeah, of it is. Our, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you could put those together, that'd be terrific. Yeah, <laughs> but thank you, Faye. That's lovely. I put a nice one in first because, you know, it makes, yeah. just makes it feel better. Yeah. Mark Atkinson at Monty the Mole says, I have run for seven years, 100 marathons, and 20 ultras up to 145 miles. All right, Mark. All right. <laughs> uh, I have never had a wild poo. I feel like I'm missing out. Some of my mates have had a wild poo mid-park run. Am I missing an essential running experience? Of course you are. How, yeah. How have you run 100 marathons and 20 ultras, assuming 20 ultras are usually on trails and stuff? Why, you've never had a wild poo. That's impressive. Like, I've known people to have a wild poo just walking up Penavan, let alone, like, running and doing all yeah. this. So. That is some guts of iron he's got there. And later on, he said in this kind of a tweet thread, he's never even had a mid-race poo in just a toilet. So even running 145 miles, didn't poo. Are you okay, Mark Atkinson? Are you a bit, you know, bunged up? Do you need to go to the doctor? I mean, this, this might there's something of... wrong there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> To be fair, I do know someone that only poos once a week. See, I know someone that went three weeks without going for a poo. Oh, three weeks. That's, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, it's, not, it's not normal, though, is it? <laughs> it's not. Well, this I know someone that regularly, it's normal for them, poos once a week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the same person that's, that's probably their sort of frequency as well. Just just we're on Skype, so mouth it to me so we so we know who we're talking about. You, you don't know them, you don't. But who? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah i know yeah once a week you'd never know look i mean they're missing out <laughs> that's i i feel sad for them <laughs> is it the highlight of your day well a couple of times usually. <laughs> let us know though um let us know on twitter or wherever at running is bs have you are you one of these magical runners that have never had a mid-run poo wild or otherwise alternatively what's the shortest ever run you've had a poo on Yep. <laughs> okay, so at Runner's Knees, which is a very interesting Twitter handle, um, so they say that only once on a training run in the Blackwood Forest, so I'm assuming that's um, about having a wild poo, and then it was really touch or go, not on a race, not lost a toenail either, I do feel like I'm missing out. Yeah, if you haven't lost a toenail from running, you haven't really done it properly, I don't think. I've never lost a toenail either, 
Now, I would just say that it's oh. just down to having shoes that fit me properly and lacing them properly. <laughs> you should run some more hardcore, hardcore races. <laughs> Chelsea Knight at uh, Chelsea Sacotti. She says, same, haven't lost a toenail. Hashtag, do I even run? Uh, Chelsea, no, you even don't. Well, I, if you if you also Sorry. hashtag never lost a toenail, then tweeters. I'd like to sort of get some sort of poll going, see see how many people have lost them versus haven't. I will do a poll on Twitter to see how many people have lost better. toenails. Yeah. So um, Sophia G says, I feel like I joined some exclusive club for having my first mid-run wild wee today. Never mind poo. I leave those for ultra territory if absolutely necessary. Oh, well done, Sophia. I think a wild wee is sort of a given for many people, but it's often it's, you know, a lot easier for men to have a wild wee all the time. <laughs> It is, but I've got plenty of friends who are not shy about going for a wee pretty much anywhere. Yeah, I mean, you've got you've got to be sometimes. But I mean, yeah, a wild wee, not a wee in the middle of a ten k in a city somewhere. <laughs> Just to clarify, no, that's not that wild. That's not that's not wild, and it's not that's illegal. <laughs> no, well, going for a wee before a run a few weeks ago, you know, there were some bushes there. I was with a couple of uh, friends, and I kind of. You know, I got a spot and I looked, I thought, oh, God, it still feels a bit open to me. I still feel a bit dodgy about it. So I just walk around the corner and there's one of my friends. She's just having a wee right there. I'm like, oh, okay, well, obviously, apparently you're fine with this. I was nervous. You're like, yeah, crack on. I guess because I've got to stand up. So I feel a bit more exposed. Yeah. I think yeah. that's probably why. Whereas if you've crouched down, you're already, you know, you're in cognito mode. Sort of. You're hidden. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, okay. Reese Owen Griffiths is a proper Welsh name for mm. you. At Rog Prop says, are Nike Flyies the ultimate in lazy running shoes? They have a zip at the heel, so you can put them on and off without doing the laces. Not sure if I love or hate them. See, I haven't seen these yet, actually. I should have sort of had a look. I should have done a lot of things before the show, you know, actually prepared. Um, but I mean, I, I'm searching I can now. imagine, like, there'd be chafing involved with that. Like, there must be something behind yeah. the zip to ensure it doesn't rub. Oh, it's not a heel straight up the back. It's kind of heel kind of goes around, kind of diagonally around the back. Still, I don't think I'd want it to mm. zip anywhere, you know, near my ankles. Yeah, on your Achilles like that, that's... I'm sure Nike have probably looked at that, but they, they look weird. But surely that's the point of laces as well is you can adjust, like, the pressure points of the shoe. And if, like, you know, there's all those sort of images online that show you the way to lace your shoes if you're feeling pain in certain areas. Yeah. So, like, with a zip, you can't do that. You're sort of just stuck. I just think they're brand new fancy Nikes. I can't afford yeah. them, so I don't care. No, <laughs> no, exactly. Okay, so Christina at uh, Steeny H says, I'll tell you what's bullshit. Having to run while carrying a bag of dog poo, then realising it's leaking. Longest mile to the bin oh. ever. Damn. Oh, that's gross. Yeah, that is bad. At least it's not a bag of your own poo. Again, foreshadowing our guest. <laughs> <laughs> that is true, yeah. I've never run whilst carrying... I know you've, I've had to walk with a bag of dog poo for a while, and that's kind of unpleasant. You have to kind yeah. of hold it away from yourself a little bit, because yeah. sometimes it just touches against you and it's warm and a bit weird. Yeah. But no, having to run... I don't, I don't think I'd run in that situation. I think I'd have to stop and walk. It'd be too much. Like, you, you're breathing heavily and yeah. stuff. It would just be overwhelming. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> Uh, we've got a couple of tweets here. Amy, you've started something potentially oh. dangerous. <laughs> I think hilarious, but potentially dangerous. If I'm going to start anything, I want it to be potentially dangerous. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, Louise Penny, at Lou E. Penny, says, Accidentally shoulder-checked a bitch to, at today's San Domenico 20-miler. I was trying to overtake, but they were running three abreast the other way and taking up the path with a very we're faster so you get out of our way vibe. 
at running is BS. Does this make me a running wanker? No. Uh, I retweeted that and said, no, it makes you a running legend. Yeah, exactly. I think there are certain situations where it's okay to shoulder check a bitch, and that is one of them. If they're the running wankers, like running like three abreast, like, no, you've got to do what you got to do. Yeah. Them and their vibe. Yeah. Sort your vibe out. Yeah. <laughs> so, Sandra, at my purple spatula. Am I reading that right? Yeah, my purple spatula. You are, yeah. That's interesting. Um, so, channeled my inner running is BS tonight. I had two options when I had to run past a group of youths um, who were obviously planning on not moving. Option A, be the better person and run into um, a B road. Or option B, shoulder check a bitch. Obviously, obviously went with option B. Yes. Yep. Again, like, well done, we have Sandra. To sort of think about it. Is this, you know, appropriate? Yeah, totally, Sandra. Just, yeah, go to shoulder check a bitch sometimes. Sometimes you just got to shoulder check a bitch. Sometimes when you're not even running, you've just got to do it, you know? <laughs> um, I'm just recalling some of your violent tendencies. Your New Year's resolution, I believe, was to start a fight and kill two men. If, have you been working on that? You're going to fight a bear, I believe. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm all about the element of surprise. So I've got to leave it a bit before I plan those particular, mm. you know, I execute, no pun intended, um, those particular New Year's resolutions. <laughs> So. Okay, all right. Well, well, we'll wait for that. That'll be exciting. <laughs> it definitely give the podcast a certain edge. No such thing as bad publicity. So. No, exactly. Uh, it's our favourite time of every show. Time for the bullshit running news. Now, is Skype because we're recording this over Skype today? Is it going to pick up the sort of the subtleties of my when I sing this particular rendition of bullshit running news? I well, think, yeah. I don't know whether it's going to do it justice. I mean, we've got a camera on you as well now, so I can put out the video as well. <laughs> Oh, God. Right, okay. Bullshit, bullshit running news. That was quite a short one. That was just short and sweet, straight to the point. Okay. (laughs) Runner Anna McNuff to run 100 marathons across Britain barefoot. Fuck's sake. Right, this woman, she's going to run 2,620 miles completely barefoot from the Shetland Islands to London. From June to September. Ah, fuck's sake. She said, The aim of Barefoot Britain is to show girls and young women they can do anything they set their mind to. Girls are strong and resilient. I'm a big believer that sometimes the best way to uncover that resilience is to take on a big adventure. Is that the best way? (sighs) The best way to show girls resilience to run a hundred marathons in your bare feet? I'm, I'm also thinking as well, like, that might be all right, you know, in the Shetland Islands, but when you get to London, running, barefoot, running barefoot through London, I mean, it's just knives and dog poo and needles, you know, your yeah. feet are going to be a mess by the end of that. Yeah, that's nasty. Surely, I mean, she must have built up her sort of, because people who walk a lot barefoot and run a lot barefoot, they do build up like a sort of calluses on their feet don't they but she must be a barefoot runner already but i'm just it's just that thing of girls can do anything they want to i'm gonna run 100 marathons barefoot is is that the thing we should be encouraging young girls to do it is a bit of a strange connection i could understand if she was saying oh um like in certain countries people can't even afford shoes and so to sort of demonstrate that issue i'm gonna run barefoot but like no like girls can do anything so take off your shoes and run you know two thousand miles like Ah, you're right. <laughs> Wouldn't like get a job be a better thing to do? <laughs> get a job and get some shoes. <laughs> 
Oh, this is a great one. I, uh, I'm assuming you've actually read it, Stuart, because I haven't. Because you've put in here about, like, yeah. in the show notes, about an article by Runner's World to do with, like, astrology. So yeah. this was supposed to be a serious article. So have you actually read it? Can yeah. you sort of tell yeah, us Yeah, yeah. They, they literally did a serious article on Mercury in retrograde <laughs> and how it might affect your running. And I, I read through it to see if there was some comment on like, oh, this is just a wacky thing that astrologers think. Oh, here's the thing. Oh, we don't really know the science behind it. No, it was just Mercury's in retrograde. Watch out. So what it, could it, happen? It listed a thing. It listed a few things that could happen and it, like, it could affect your mood. It could um, even cause emails getting lost <laughs> as a potential problem. It's like It could affect your mood, could affect this. Oh, it could... I was like, fuck off. It's, 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 I, it's a serious because, article. It's funny because like sometimes Runners World, of course, do other articles where they're talking about certain scientific developments and nutrition and whatever. And this just sort of undermines all of that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And <laughs> what what it means is basically, obviously, Mercury's orbiting, we're orbiting. And at, at certain points of the year, from our point of view, it looks like Mercury started going backwards in the mm. sky because it kind of goes across the sky, then kind of loops around and then goes on a bit. And obviously, astrologers 2,000 years ago had no idea what was going on. We now know it's just a weird optical illusion. And it happens, like, for three weeks or two weeks, three times a year. And this time, they've just kind of gone, ooh, could affect your running. Fuck off, runners world. Come on. So they're saying it's going to have, like, an adverse effect on your running. Like, you're going to be, like, um, fatigued. Maybe. Ooh, Maybe. don't know. That's great. Maybe. Maybe not. So if you do feel fatigued within this sort of whatever, what was it, a three-week window or whatever, then it's because of yeah. Mercury. <laughs> It's a handy excuse, I guess. Well, I've got a bit of a better story. Um, this is about guide dogs who have led a visually impaired runner to historic New York City half marathon finish. This is entirely a non-bullshit story. This yeah. is just an amazing story to do with running and dogs and we like it. Yeah, and I just want to say from the start as well, like he did it in two hours, 20 minutes as well. Two hours, 20, um, 51 seconds, which, you know, it's the bloke right. can't see. That's fantastic with a pack of dogs and there was no one telling him where to go yeah that's no. pretty good yeah he had no guide well his guide runner were these dogs so um so three dogs led one visually impaired runner um so it was a trio of guide dogs led by thomas now panic panic um i'm terrible at pronouncing names i've probably pronounced that wrong because he is an important guy he's the president and ceo of guiding eyes for the blind um so yeah he ran the new york city half as the first ever runner fully guided by trained guide dogs and the best part about this story is you need to go check out the article because the dogs are all wearing little shoes in it and it's incredibly cute so i didn't see the little shoes yep there's little shoes and there's lovely video and stuff it's fantastic so definitely go and check out the article but apparently each dog ran about 120 miles over the course of three months in preparation oh nice that's pretty good so i know for the race the first two dogs did five miles each and then hit the last dog did the last 3.1 but that dog literally last day before retirement what are you retiring from being a guide dog yeah well and that was that was the way he went out i'm just like oh oh." (laughs) definitely not a bullshit story a lovely story definitely go and check out the pictures (laughs) they are good dogs i love dogs with shoes uh this one here now this is something you've picked the bullshit story of the week we all know there's you know some of the stories that we cover are complete nonsense and this is this is our one for this week i I do 
love a shit listicle as well from runners world again eight thoughts we all have on our first spring run <laughs> this is just absolutely i think it's worse than the mercury one because at least like the mercury one they were sort of putting together some sort of information even if it was bollocks like you know there was some sort of thought went into it but this is just the most like again have a look at it go and after you've read the one about guide dogs fill your brain with this shit but it's yeah it's just like a listicle yeah with gifts and it's just basically saying it was basically saying like, oh, it might be warm out there, which might be nice, or it might go cold again, so you might feel a bit chilly. It was like bizarre. It was absolute nonsense. It's just one line and then a funny gif. One line, funny gif. Uh, winter is over. Oh, it wasn't even a gif. funny there's either. Some... Like it wasn't even like humorous at all. It was just like banal statements with banal gifs afterwards. Yeah, actually, I just looked. I think seven of them are about the weather. Yeah, and temperatures. And then one of them is just like, ah, oh, now you're happy you've run. Yeah, of course, of course. I mean, come on. Absolute, like, trash. But we would like this to be sort of a new feature, this bullshit story of the week. So if you've read any particularly bad running articles about, you know, whatever, astrology, spring, you know, yeah. anything, um, do tweet us or at runningisbs or Facebook running is bullshit. Or if you'd like, email us runningisbull at gmail.com. We'd love to hear about any bullshit running articles because there's lots out there yeah there was also a really quick one there another one runners world about the dangers of yo-yo dieting or perhaps you shouldn't do other <laughs> stories about fucking 27 ways to lose weight and 39 fat busting foods if you were Twats. like if you were to try and take all your advice on diets from runners world you'd be so confused you'd be like malnutrition yeah. you you know you'd be all over the place that would be yo-yo dieting if you're following every new if you change your diet every time runners world told you to you'd be all over the shop should we stop shitting on Runners World now? You know what? Yeah. <laughs> We're We've not going to get enough, a sponsorship, think, yeah. are we? <laughs> I don't think so, no. <laughs> well, unless they sponsor us and then we just start being really positive about them. I mean, I'd take the money. Yeah. So if Happily. you hear us next week saying, oh, yeah, this is a great new article in Runners World about, you know, oh, should, you so run, should you run on Tuesdays if you're a Gemini? Oh, such an informative article. I think there's some real clever people at Runner's World. See, I can do that as well. I can, I can do sincere. Yeah, yeah, totally sincere. Coming up next is our interview with Reese Jenkins. And this is an absolutely, although we do say so ourselves, a fantastic interview, mainly because of Reese. I mean, we can't give ourselves too much credit. Yeah. So I think you're all going to really enjoy that, especially those of you who've been sort of messaging us with um, asking us about ultra running as if we actually know what we're talking about. So, um, yeah, so enjoy. Our guest today is an epic ultra runner and ultra run director, Reese Jenkins. Before we go into uh, talking to Reese, I'm going to just go through some of the runs that he's done, just to give you a bit of an idea of what we're dealing with here. He's done a 250-mile run in Iceland, a 270-mile run, which was a double crossing of the famous Badwater Ultra Marathon route, a 1,000 miles around Wales, twice, and 2,000 miles from Boston to Austin. Um, so, Reese, I think the first question everyone is going to want to know is what on earth is wrong with you? Uh, a lot of things, a lot of things. You've done the uh, justice there. Thank you so much. <laughs> um, that's only some of them. There were there were more on there I could have gone for. I can't believe you've gone and done that. Thank you. Uh, that's very kind of you. Um, yeah, well, I guess uh, a lot of things wrong with me. <laughs> only got into running when I was about well, about 10 years ago. So, yeah. Okay, so start there. Though. What got you into that then? Uh, the first race I ever did was a Tlaffley half marathon. Um, down in uh, obviously Tlaffley and it was a wind uh, was it 
February time is freezing cold and sort of it's a beautiful area, but the conditions were horrendous. And I sort of finished the half marathon and just wanted to go further, not necessarily faster. And um, I've always sort of wanted to do something for charity and tried finding my way with doing that. And running is my medium. I think the right term would be with that for sort of helping other causes, which I care about. So just from a half marathon, and I know what you mean about the weather there. Everyone complains about the weather on that one. Uh, it's a fast course, but the yeah weather is horrendous. So how did you go from a half marathon to running hundreds of miles? Oh, right. Okay. Uh, the actual, the time frame or the time, the sort of journey, it was um, a couple of nearly half marathons. And then finally uh, bit the bullet and went for a full marathon in Las Vegas, which... Um, I was a little bit naive. I but it was December time. I just assumed the desert was warm all year round, but it was absolutely freezing. Um, not the best conditions for running in again. Um, and finished that, and then a year later, literally, uh, me, my best buddy Rusty, and my brother, uh, literally signed up to uh, run across America. So it, it was <laughs> a, a, it was more of a, a challenge and adventure, doing it for charity, obviously. But it was a learning whilst you run, basically. So from a marathon in a year to we'll just run across America. Yeah, I've always been fascinated with um, Into the Wind. Have you ever heard of that? The story with Terry Fox Foundation. No, I thought you were going to go with Forrest Gump, which oh, is that's the comparison mate, you get often. This guy is this guy is real, and this guy is uh, he went across Canada. But uh, have a look at the story. It's, it's, I wouldn't do it justice telling you it now. But yeah, true inspiration really, and he's really what inspired me a lot. So did you get? Um much support from your family and friends or do they all just think you're a bit mad and just let you go on with it <laughs> <laughs> yeah I think they thought we were a little bit mad at first and um they were like oh, they, they used to me playing sport team sport I've done that all my life and running was sort of a new I guess uh, the unknown for me really only ever running a marathon before sort of agreeing to do that but no a lot of uh, family support and we were actually lucky enough to be sponsored by Puma which was, um, I'm not, yeah, it was just phenomenal. Literally, the amount of kit they gave us was just crazy. I've never had anything like it since, to be honest. And it, the support they gave us was phenomenal. But we had uh, two support crew who actually came out with us and they sat in a van for, I think it was around 75 days until every day, literally listening to us just moan, whine, complain. And it, they were the two that literally got us through it. It's a hell of a commitment, 75 days, just for you to do it, but for other people to come out there and support you all that time as well is incredible. Yeah, it was, um, I guess, again, quite inspiring, really, to see or have two friends which who were willing to give anything, really. They gave up their jobs, they gave up their university courses, and they wanted to be part of it. Um, they wanted to be part of something good. We all wanted to sort of a bit of an adventure. And, yeah, it was, um, like I said, learning whilst we run. We started off and we didn't have a bloody clue what we were doing, really. Um, Nutrition-wise, resting-wise, breaks, all that. Accommodation, we literally um, we had a script in the car and the two support crew would ring up on the day we were looking to stay somewhere there to see if they had accommodation and whether we could get it for free, basically. it was uh, That's how off the cuff it was. <laughs> so did you end up picking up any injuries while you were doing this? I can imagine the risk of injury is like really high with this sort of thing. Yeah, um, the first three weeks were just hell, really, where um, your body aches, pains, um, and after about three or four weeks, it, um, your body sort of accepted it, and we noticed that an upturn with the curve where our body was used to it. We got our patterns in place, we got our rest down to a T, 
But no, um, probably about two thirds of the way through, I really picked up bad shin splints and I wouldn't wish shin splints on my worst enemy where my whole shin was just the, the same size all the way down to my foot and the amount of fluid that was building up on it. But because of the time frame, um, there was no uh, time to rest. So it was a case of having to walk the 30 miles a day rather than run it, which it, it mentally was a lot really testing, knowing that you could have been done, but you're still out there walking. So I have a great respect for the people that go out there and take a longer time than the people that do it quicker. So was this like an organised event then, or was it just something you were doing solo? No, uh, we, we came up with it. Uh, my best friend came up with it. It was Boston to Austin, so it wasn't necessarily across America, but it was a good portion of it. And he's originally from Austin, and he wanted to... He was living in Boston, and he wanted to up sticks and move back home. And he was like, let's run it. <laughs> I mean, you could have got the train. You could have got the train, could have flown, could have just sat in the car for the 75 days. Of it. Yeah. No. There's a lot of options there before you go to running. Yeah. I know a lot. Of, yeah, more expensive though. <laughs> <laughs> so since then, that was kind of, I guess that was your biggest, craziest one. But since then, you've kept up these kind of pretty epic runs. Yeah, I, I guess trying to better myself in terms of personal development, seeing how far mentally you can push yourself before you really break. And touch with I haven't. Well, I'm still going now, so that's a good sign, I guess. Because I'd love to hear a bit more about the situation around the Iceland run, because I'm going to Iceland to run the Reykjavik Marathon. So oh, wow. I can perhaps, while I'm running, thinking at least I don't have to do 250 miles. <laughs> <laughs> so this is, um, Iceland was just, uh, the only word I can describe, what time of year is the marathon, out of interest? August. Or, all right, you'll be good then. We went in April time, and it was apocalyptic, the weather. Literally, I've never experienced anything like it, and I never want to experience anything like it again, to be honest. It was, um, we went along the south coast, and it was around 250 miles, five days of running 50 miles a day. But because we were going from uh, east to west, we were having a headwind the whole way. And because you're on the south coast, there is no cover from anything. So it was the, the headwind was horrendous. But bringing to the fact it was sort of torrential rain and then the freezing conditions as well. Um, one of the days I found myself um, in a really bad situation because there was five of us doing it and the support crew can only be with one runner at a time so you, you're quite spread out throughout the day and that they must have been gone for about two hours before they found me and they sort of got me in the vehicle and the only way they could get me warm was I was cuddling up to a, a bottle of um, warm water trying to like sort of get my feeling back in my hands and sort of calm myself down because I was in a really bad situation but um in terms of views, it is absolutely beautiful out there. I'd love to return, but I'd love to do a different route. <laughs> okay, so do you run any normal races now? Are you just on 100 miles plus? Um, no, no, no. I, I love... I, 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 every race is a challenge to me, to be honest. Um, I, I Literally, I love doing the Cardiff Half Marathon. It's something which I'll do every year mm -hmm. and continue to do just because of the people, really. And I, I'm originally from Penarth, so you get to go through the Penarth Marina and so on and such. So my mum is always there every year on the corner waving me, good, uh, waving me past. Um, but no, I, to be honest with you, mate, it's a case of if it's 100 miles, 25 miles, 50 miles, 10 miles, 3 miles, I guess you mentally just prepare yourself for that distance. So I'll go out for a five-mile run and I will still be knackered by the end of it. It's just mentally, I've, I've told myself it's five miles. When, I'm done, when it's five miles up, I'm done, really. I'm ready to go. I guess it's not simple out for like a 100-mile run, but you break it up into, let's say, five-mile distances. You, you break it down into manageable chunks, really. But to answer your question, yeah, I still do normal races. I love doing it. I'm, I'm running around Butte Park pretty much every lunchtime in the mornings and evenings at the moment. So, yeah, you always see me out there. <laughs> 
because uh, you told me before your next one is 135 miles across Death Valley. Yeah, that, that's um, that is um, something I've been building towards for um, ten years, and I've been lucky enough to go out there before, but off my own back. So just going over there to run for charity and do it, and uh, lucky enough, about a month ago, I got picked to represent Wales and to be the first Welshman to actually do the the official race. And it is um, it is the hottest place on earth, and the temperatures are the only way I can describe it. It's like running in an oven. It's uh, like having a hairdryer blow in your face. For a constant 135 miles, it's just something I mean, else. It is literally called Death Valley. Yeah. I mean, they're not joking with that name. No, they, they've actually, I think, part of the route, there's a place called Devil's Golf Course. <laughs> so just the narrow, yeah, to nail home the message that it actually is quite dangerous out there. Um, I, I guess if you're sensible with hydration um, and looking after your core temperature, you can sort of take care of yourself in a way. But it's, um, it's beautiful. So I... The actual terrain itself, it may be quite monotonous, it's 135 miles, but you look around and you are in like one of the most beautiful places ever. And when the lights go out at night time and it's pitch black, the stars, I've never seen anything like it. And I, I'd swear anybody who gets a chance to go, just get over there and go to it. I think that's part of the appeal for me, because I've just entered my first ultra, I'm doing the Vogum, so I'm really looking forward to that. But part of the appeal for me is, is being in these really beautiful areas as well, and the scenery you get to see, which when you run city marathons, sure, there can be some cool cities, but a lot of the time you might be running through like industrial estates or whatever, you know, through large parts of the course. Whereas I think, I imagine that with ultra running, sometimes that scenery can sort of pull you through it and get you through it. Definitely. I, I think it gives you that, that kick up the, um, are we allowed to swear on this or no? Uh, yeah, we swear it's a lot. Really. We haven't so <laughs> a kick up the arse, even. Um, it's just, uh, you look around, you just get inspired by it. Like the mountains you're running past. Um, this race in the summer, it starts off below sea level, so you're already starting below what we're normally sitting at. It's just crazy. And you look up, and there's a sign on the side of the mountain, halfway up the mountain, and it says where the sea level is, and it sort of puts it into perspective for you. Um, but yeah, like you said, it's it's not running in the city, it's not running around the local town, it's getting out there on the trails and sort of discovering places which not many people know are there. You mentioned hydration before, what are we talking about for running through Death Valley? Oh man, it's um, <coughs> it's crazy. Uh, when we actually, I'll, I'll do a photo in the summer, I'll send you a photo after this of what we've done previously. Yeah. But it's, um, it is mental, the, the amount of water, there's always a bottle of water, two bottles in my hand for the whole time there's no way I wouldn't do that and it's a case of forcing it down when you need it but th- there is that sort of fine balance where you can sort of over you put too much water in your body or too much yeah. electrolytes and it sort of backfires a bit so we tend to um, weigh we weigh before the race and then I sort of know my my body weight and we try to keep it to that as best as possible it's um, drink wise though when I first went over there I've been over there four years and um, it was a case of Coca-Cola Gatorade Lucasade you know the sugars and so on and such and then over the years I've sort of learned that it's, it's more about the better stuff the water drinking more water having salt tablets pure salt tablets and trying to stay away from the caffeine went until you really really need it because they, they're the ones that kick off the cramps really so how much water would you would you be drinking during this? Oh, I'm not entirely sure off the top of my head. I believe it would be about 1.5 litres every hour, something like that, uh, probably more. But then that's just to put in my body to sort of try and bring down your core temperature. There's going to be plenty of water to sort of throw over myself and sort of spray on me. And um, from 40 miles in, I'm allowed to have somebody run with me. So they'll be um, next to me with a little squirter trying to cool me down. <laughs> And so, and this is kind of a big kind of organised proper race. You see, the first Welshman to represent there. Have you got kind of any 
ambitions in terms of racing or are you just doing it kind of for yourself and for your charity to finish or are you looking to actually do well in this no um I, i'm looking to do well in it i i'm look, i'm going there to sort of um do wales proud I, I, i'm honored to just be there to be honest at the start line so i'm going to be a bit flabbergasted when i get there i'm just excited really um but in terms of expectations I, i'd love to be in the top 10 I, i'll be going for that and yeah it's a case of having the right people around me so um i'm having the sport my the guy that sort of puts me back together I like to say my sports myself he's coming over my coach is coming over my brother's going to be sort of my chief crew he's going to be the one sort of uh, pacing a lot and then a good friend who's been there for me three years out of the four years he's come over he lives in Texas Austin and uh, he's going to be the driver sort of chief crew as well making sure everything's in place so it's yeah the support crew is uh, something which sometimes gets forget about um, you forget about when you look at these things as they look individualistic or individual even but the people around you, especially in that environment, is is critical, it's crucial. It, I, I'd fail if I didn't have them. There was a story that you told me when we met up the other day <laughs> that I know our listeners are going to love because we talk about this kind of thing all the time. Uh, there are certain restrictions on you in Death Valley, aren't there? Yes, which I wasn't aware of until I'd already signed up and paid my race fee. <laughs> so obviously only 100 people get to run it every year and um, in terms of uh, the actual layout of it it is one road so there's one road this side one road the other side so it's very narrow you can't have a lot of people on there you can have one support crew and four people so you imagine people need to go to the toilet nature calls and you're in the middle of nowhere um, it is a race rule and it is stuck to that you have to carry a poop bag with you so whenever you need to go to number two it, there's no toilets it's a case of you need to go to the side of the road and do what you need to do into a bag whilst trying to not get it over yourself basically <laughs> but then of course i guess those bags you can't leave them behind you're gonna have to hand them <laughs> off to the crew i i, I have no idea we're gonna have to sort of prep this because i don't want to be the one handing over my own poop to somebody else it's um yeah <laughs> Maybe I'll just, I have no idea. I, I, I've got to think about that. So any suggestions you may have or anything? It's like when people Ooh. leave like dog poo bags like under a rock somewhere <laughs> or something, like littering. Oh, yeah. yeah I, Hang it on a tree. Yeah. yeah. There's, there's no trees over there. You can't even do that. No, that's Perhaps true. It's um, desolate. But it, I say there's nothing out there. There's three towns along the route. So ideally I'd be able to go there. But I know I, I've, from experience it's going to happen. I'm going to have to poop in a bag at some point. You'll have to bury it like a cat. <laughs> You get coyotes over there. I'm sure they'd be interested in that. Not me. <laughs> right, okay. Um, speaking of things that our, our listeners are going to like, we've got a few questions from the bullshitters, as we like to call <laughs> our listeners. Um, we're straight in there. Here. Uh, Liz and Holly, two people have asked this. It's kind of a, a particular thing about my friend Holly, who we know on the show as Scabby Buttcrack for right, kind of okay. obvious reasons. Brilliant. And they would both like to know, have you ever had a Scabby Buttcrack from running? Uh, no, I've had, the, at, at the front of it, I've had um, really, really, really bad chafing where it's been yeah. sort of bleeding. And that's, um, I haven't had a Scabby Buttcrack, no, but I've had a bleeding ball sack, if that's... <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, I mean, I knew that's what you were talking about, but just hearing it made it worse. <laughs> Hells Mel's asks, "Don't you have a job to go to?" Yeah, I, I'm lucky with. Um, oh no, I do have a job to go to. Um, I'm a social media manager by day, and I, I can't even work Skype as we found out earlier. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's we're doing fine. We're doing fine. I appreciate that. 
<laughs> it, that's my 8.30 till 5.30 job every day. Um, and then I'm lucky so enough how to... So how do you sort of like squeezing training around that then? Like ultra training, that must be really difficult. Um, it's, it, it's building it into your lifestyle, I guess. Commuting back and forth to work. Um, lunch times aren't really lunch times. They're, they are training times. And I'm lucky enough to have a couple of people in work who actually come running with me at lunchtime to sort of help pass the hours. Um, last year, uh, we actually did 24 marathons in 24 days whilst still holding up the uh, the day job, which was something that was horrendous, basically. But um, yeah, I, I guess you build it into your lifestyle. Hereford Bry asks, how many pairs of shoes did you get through for the 2000 miler? Oh my God, let me have a think. It must have been about, I think about six but by the end of it, um, the shoe was slanted. It might literally, I think, after uh, months and months after the actual race run had finished, my feet were still trying to correct themselves into proper shoes. It was um, because the, the, you're running on the sides of the road, it, the camber, camber, but it's not flat, it's slanted. So you're literally running on a slant the whole way. So then your trainer takes the size of it, but then you, your foot sort of changes with it as well. It's just, uh, yeah, my stride was messed up by the end of it. <laughs> Yeah, how long did it take you to recover from that? That one, a uh, couple of months for me, really. And it, yeah. you, I, you, you guys are both runners, I guess. You get the pains around sort of your Achilles, your ankle, and you sort of know mm. there's something amiss there. So, Sparkly Ang wants to know what gets you through it, and I'm assuming they're referring to like running ultras in general. Um, and do you have any toenails left? <laughs> I've got a good story about toenails, not about me, but I'll, I'll explain that in a second. Uh, what gets me through it, the, the charities that I run for, um, it gives me that reason not to give up. I, I, I know that sounds very cheesy, but when you're on your arse and you don't want to go any further, you sort of think about why you're out there doing it. And for me, it's always for charity. And it's obviously, I'm there because some part of me really enjoys it and I enjoy the pain for some sort of reason. But no, it, 100% it's the charity all the cause. And the, the toenails, uh, I tend to lose my big toenail quite often. Um, and it grows back and then I lose it again. But I know there's a chap, an absolute, one of my heroes really, a guy called Marshall Ulrich in America. He um, got fed up of losing his toenails, all of them. So he had them taken off forever. So now he doesn't have toenails. So he never has the issue of having to lose his toenails anymore. Are there, surely the toenails have some sort of purpose though like <laughs> we were saying this the other day weren't we and um yeah i don't i don't it's it's obviously completely gross to hear someone's had the toenails removed but there's no downside to it other than it looking weird exactly they don't have any purpose and naturally it's like everyone's gone oh that's awful but like i can't see why you wouldn't in a way it's, yeah, he was just fed up with it, so he went and done it. So it, have a look, a little look on Google. I'm sure you can find an image of it. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. But he's an absolute legend, that guy. So, yeah. I mean, if you're a pro ultra runner, these are the kind of things you've got to go through. Uh, I want to keep my toenails for the time being, but... <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, how have your nipples held up in all these as well? Have you had any issues there? So um, we all, We've all been there. No, man. My nipples are probably the weakest part of me, seriously. They, you're they Achilles cry. heel, but you're Achilles nipple. Oh, 100%. They cry whenever they get the chance to. Where they've been in a place before where I had a light T-shirt on and the blood trails were just down the front of the T-shirt. But around the nipple itself, there was like frothy red blood froth just knocking around. It was disgusting and foul, really. But yeah, so I either wear a lot of Vaseline or nipple plasters. I haven't worn nipple tassels yet. So. <laughs> Have you had any other interesting chafing anywhere else? Or is that, um, that most of it there? No, I think the nipples and the, the bloody ball sack, really. That would be the, <laughs> the main painful ones. And obviously you get blisters on your feet and so on and such. They're just part of the parcel, really, aren't they? Yeah. 
Yeah, that's just boring now. Yeah, that's boring. <laughs> so we wanted to ask you a bit about um, Pegasus Ultra Running as well. So could you tell us um, why you started Pegasus? Yeah, of course. And firstly, thank you for signing up to the Vogum. I did recognise the name straight away. <laughs> I like to, yeah, I like to look at every runner who's sort of signed up to the race. So yeah, it's cool to meet you actually. Why did I start Pegasus? Uh, I've, I love ultra running. It's been part of my life for 10 years now. I've done it for other businesses, um, other race companies who are sort of based in England, uh, Xtreme Energy, which they're really cool. I learned a lot off the guy, Neil Ferber, and, um in the way to sort of set things up and so on and such. But my real passion for setting up Pegasus is to showcase Wales. Um, Wales is absolutely stunning, and I think you compare it to England, Scotland, Ireland, compare it to some of the races in America, and we actually are blessed with what we have around us. And I'm originally from Penarth. I've always had the ambition to set an ultra running event up, finishing in Penarth. And last year, I just sort of bit the bullet and went along with it. And we now have the Vogum, which you're going to be doing in the summer. And it's 40 miles along the Welsh coast from Porthgall to Penarth, 42 miles, I think. And it's a case of we've now repeated that with another two events for this year, with a fourth to be announced. So that's four events for 2019. But yeah, I get a real buzz off seeing other people run and sort of finish challenges they didn't really think they could achieve. And I, I wouldn't say it, but I didn't believe it. I think anybody can achieve ultra running in terms of it's not that mythical beast. I think that's part of what Pegasus plays in it, the symbol of sort of strength, power. It, it is achievable and we want to make it achievable for as many people as possible. So one thing we don't do is we don't have cutoff times, which I, I guess I understand cutoff times. I get them. But for me, if somebody's paid to run a race, they've trained what's best part of half a year to run the race as well they've put a lot of effort in there i sort of owe it to them to sort of give them as much time as possible as long as they don't pitch up a bloody tent on the on the trail everything's good to go like it doesn't cost me any more any, any money or anything like that to sort of wait there and sort of give you the support that you need and i'm lucky enough to have an amazing support crew who share the same ambition really that's a really fantastic ethos. I mean, we, we, always, we often refer back to our former guest, Liz, who's a good friend of ours. She did Couch to 5K a few years ago. I think her 5K PB is 44-something. She's been stopped from doing half marathons because she's been too slow. When we were in Lisbon, she was asked to stop. But in a few weeks' time, she's doing the London Marathon. And then a little while after that, she's doing your 42-miler. Yeah. And that is kind of, in a way, I guess that's... That's the kind of person you want to be doing these. Yeah, 100%. It's the, you know what, the slower you are or the longer you take, you get more of an adventure. You get to take more things in, like the sights. You get to speak to other people. You're not focused on the time. You're not focused on the distance. You're just focused on the there and then. And I, like, I think you're going to be supporting a number of them in the summer, aren't you? So yeah. you're going to be involved with that. It brings other people in. So it's, it's a whole, yeah, it's a massive, it brings, it's a community. I think that's what ultra running is. And yeah, if we can open the door for as many people as possible, then yeah, that's cool with me. Yeah, when I did my ultra last year, there were people driving along the coast to meeting me at five or six different points as well, bringing me stuff. And that helped so much. It was really useful. So yeah, I'm really looking forward to kind of being that person this year. But they, they, they bring you drinks and um, food and so yeah, on yeah. and such. But I, I, I think you'll probably agree with this. The one thing they give you is sort of a big boost as well, because you know they're going to yeah. be there. And you've got these people wanting to see you achieve something amazing. You get a kick off that. 
and also as someone else to talk to after I've been chatting to one person for three hours you get a bit bored of them and then you know you've got another four hours with them it's just nice to have someone else to see Do you know I've been doing a race before where it was a, a, a guy that was probably double my age and we were sort of you know you go back and forth and over an ultra you go back and forth about 200 times and every checkpoint I got to I'm sort of gasping for water or food and just trying to get everything in me and he is standing there not out of breath just smoking a fag at every checkpoint <laughs> And it's just taught me a ma- it taught me a lesson though. It's like you can't look at somebody and go, "You're an ultra runner." You're not an ultra runner. It's not up to me. It's not up to anybody to decide. And I, I've been told before that I'm too big to be an ultra runner. It's like it's just um, it's just crazy. Any uh, ultra runners, ultra walkers, however you want to refer to it, they come in any shape, any size. It's all about mental strength, I think. So, what's going to be your next big challenge then? Um, for Pegasus or for me? Um, I suppose either both of them for me it, 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 the race in the summer is called bad water 135 and um, that is my entire focus at the moment in terms of getting there getting myself in a position where it is sort of i was thinking about this earlier and i think it's the word is immersed it's sort of i've finally immersed myself into the training where i've got to do it every day um, the heat training will come into play closer to the time and so on and such but for me that is the main focus um for achieving race-wise, but personally, I, I'd love to just keep fundraising with charity, and the only way I'm doing that at the moment is through running. Um, sometimes I've cycled, but I found out I'm not the best cycler in the world. I tend to fall off a lot. Um, but no, that will be coming about in the summer, and then the idea is there's a race from North Wales to South Wales. It's 250 miles. It's called Long Lass, and it's um, self sufficient so you basically carry everything that you need as you're going through the race and um, there's checkpoints every 50 miles and on the checkpoints there's only water so that is um i think it follows cycle route eight if you wanted to have a little look at it but that will be in october time so you can imagine the weather that will be around then it's uh well so i'm pretty certain from all that people are going to be really interested in what you've done they've been kind of I was oh I was going to say inspired by your running then, but we had a whole episode last week about in, being inspired and how it's often bullshit. Um, but <laughs> I think people are going to be really interested. They're going to be into ultra running. They're going to be encouraged to do an ultra run themselves, maybe. But we need to know, as we ask all our guests, what is the one most bullshit thing about running? What is the one most bullshit thing about running? Wow. Um, <laughs> you know, people say that you have to eat healthy. I understand that. But I really, really love drunk food. When I'm knackered and on my ass, I'm all I'm reaching out for is a McDonald's or a Domino's. Like if I could ever get sponsorship from McDonald's, I'd be in a, I'd be a very, very happy man. So yeah, I, I guess people go, oh right, okay, this is the perfect package. This is going to work for you. But everybody's different. I think that's big bullshit around running when people say this is going to work for you. And actually, no, everybody's different. Everybody has a different running stride. Everybody has better nipples everybody can digest food better they, they have a slower heart rate everybody's different so yeah it's always the, yeah that's bullshit i think that people tend to think there's a perfect package when actually there's not you find it yourself yeah you've got to run on your forefoot you've got to uh, eat these things you can't run well you know in certain times of day all that kind of thing yeah it, yeah everybody leads different lives and everybody's different so i think that i think that's perfect really i think that's just about everything we've got time for this is going to be a long interview anyway that's fine <laughs> Just give like a final plug to Pegasus. Where can people find out more about your races? Oh, um, majority of the time we're on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, we're on Twitter, but that's a little bit, yeah. We're always, yeah. Instagram and Facebook, you can find us, Pegasus Ultra Running. Uh, like I say, we've got the four events on there. And yeah, just check us out, really. And we've got a website as well, www.pegasusultrarunning.com. 
Awesome. Reese. thank you very much. Good luck with all your crazy races, the ones you're running and the ones you're running, I guess. Um, thank you very much for being on the show. Oh, yes, thank, thank you, you guys. Much. It's been a pleasure. Lovely to meet you. There we go. Reese was fantastic, wasn't he? Yeah, absolutely. Like, I don't want to say inspirational after all we spoke about, you know, on the last episode, but he is kind of inspiring. Got to give it, it to kind him. kind of is a bit, yeah, because he's really... Yeah. <laughs> his whole running ethos, he's then put into actual races and putting on his own races as well and put yeah. that all into it in a really good yeah. runner-focused way. That's a really important thing as well. And he's just like, he's just so chill about it, you know? He's like, yeah, we don't oh, yeah. have cut off time, finish when yeah. you like. It's like... Cool. <laughs> yeah. Actually, this is something that's been I've been complaining about the last few weeks as well. Races that don't allow you to defer entry or cancel an entry or get a refund or even transfer entries, they can all fuck off. They're changing a name on a spreadsheet or a database. The big races that have got a shitload of money have got a decent system behind all this. They could just transfer. It's just clicking one a couple of things. Yeah, well, like the transfer date is like months and months before the actual yeah. race. It's like, well, what's the point of that? Like, you don't know you're going to be injured usually, you know, with that sort of injury until a few months before the race, you know, literally a couple or one month before the race. Yeah, uh, I had to pull out of a race uh, recently and there was a transfer deadline a few weeks before, but up to two weeks before, full refund within a day. I just emailed them, said, I'm really, really sorry. I can't do it. I'm injured. They said, no problem at all. Refunded me the money straight back. That is what I like, a proper race that... They want to do it for runners. They don't want to just get the money. They don't want to just get a big crowd and some PR. They actually want to do it for the runners. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because that's the realities of running. Like, you won't be able to run every race you enter for various reasons, you know? Yeah, and also, if you cancel your place, you tell them you can't run, they don't give you your money back, they're going to resell that place. Cheeky fuckers. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's bullshit. Uh, That's just about it for today. Amy, have you got some bullshit coming up? Are you just going to keep trying to run more i need to start like really taking my ultra training seriously you know reese asked me that question well, i think it was after we'd recorded he was like how's the training going <laughs> you know uh, for the like, oh, I'm like, it's going great ah. so i do actually for real need to start building up my i say that every week but this is actually this needs to happen now this is it's a pressing matter it needs to actually happen so i am in the process of it and then hopefully i have actually some material for the podcast that is some homework for you to find something to rant about next time yep i will i will i promise even if it's just something i have to like sort of make up <laughs> yeah so what have you got coming up Stuart? I've got a race in a couple of weeks. Hopefully we can record the day of that afterwards. A race called Darth Mannion, which looks absolute batshit crazy. It's like a half marathon where you go in the sea and through rivers and down sand dunes and you get shouted at and you have to run in groups. You're not allowed to run separately. And then you kind of get to race a little bit at the end. It just looks completely mad and loads and loads of fun. So I'm actually really, really looking forward to that. That's, that does sound mad. That sounds like there's going to be a lot of stories. I've just remembered. I do have a race coming up. I've totally forgotten because I wow. just like entered it the other day. Amy doing, doing races. This is strange. I'm I'm doing a race. I'm doing Cardiff Bay 10K, which I believe is ne- well, it's the weekend of the 31st, whenever that is. So yeah. I'm doing that. You know what? It's interesting though because that's when the clocks go forward. So there's going to be loads of people. I'm assuming that are going to like miss that race. <laughs> yeah, it's a risky move, that isn't it? Doing putting a race yeah. on that day. Yeah, I've done a half marathon before when the clocks have gone forward. So it's, uh, yeah, it is a bit of a... Would you miss it? I'm trying to work it out now. I'm trying to... Was my not I never know. If the clocks go forward... No, you'd turn up early, wouldn't you? If spring the clocks forward, go back, fall no, back. Spring it's back, going forward. fall forward. But the clocks go forward, so you go back. So you sleep 
more but then the morning is sooner but the i don't know i don't know i just wake up <laughs> if you, at whatever if you thought time. the race started at 10 and you were on your old time and you oh. turned up at 10 yeah you'd miss it because don't it would think about be it 11 just don't think about it out, you'd miss it <laughs> so i need to work out for me so i don't bloody miss it and turn up at 11 <laughs> just put your alarm on for eight and just it's fine don't worry don't it's fine but yeah, I'll have, um, hopefully I'll have some stuff to share from that. But again, the only reason why I'm entering it is so that I actually have something to talk about on this podcast. Okay, let's hope it goes really badly. <laughs> Thanks. Fingers crossed for you. If you've got stories about wild poos, wild wheeze, losing toenails, we always want to hear them. Please tweet us at runningisbs. You can Facebook us, runningisbullshit, or send us an email, runningisbull at gmail.com. And yes, we will absolutely take your gross photos as well. Oh, yep, Stuart will take your gross photos. I will not be looking at them. Okay, good luck, Amy. Let's hope the race isn't too bad, but bad enough to give you something to complain about for next week. Same to you. (laughs) Bye. Bye, see you later. I haven't had a scabby butt crack, no, but I've had a bleeding ball sack.